Highly Enthused, a shortcut to things worth consuming, presented by two women named Sophie who spend too long on the internet. I'm Sophie Roberts. And I'm Sophie McComas. Welcome back to Highly Enthused. How are you, Sophie? I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. Sun shining. Dog is asleep next to me like the lazy whippet that he is. (laughs) I didn't think that the the weather would make such a difference to my mood. I don't know why, seeing as it's like the only thing that changes day on day, but I really notice on days when it's really sunny and bright, I feel so much better, even if I'm not outside. Oh yeah. You and I are not uh, winter beings, so... No. I, this, I is can... a great time. this is going to be a great time for us. It's going to be a good year. Yeah. <laughs> with no light in the cold. <laughs> What's been going on this week? Um. Well, you know, a lot of home home time. Time has no meaning. What have I been getting into? I've, I've moved on to two coffees a day, which is adding some excitement. Exciting! Two peaks. <laughs> what, oh, when am I going to throw that second jolt of caffeine into my life? I actually feel like I've spent the last week or so being really influenced by you, whether you know this or not. Um, I bought an artwork from Joshua Heath, that artist you mentioned a few episodes ago. And I went to two providors and got that Benito vinegar from the first Yes, episode. what have you been using it on? Oh my God, what have I not been putting it on? So I've, it's in the, the thing I'm going to talk about in our eat this week. I've used it in that. And then last night I did some like quick braised kale and white beans and just put a dash of that vinegar in at the end to brighten up. Oh my God, so good. I just want to put it in everything. I kind of want to just drink it straight from the bottle, but it's not cheap, so I'm not going to. Well, um, I'm glad so yeah, someone's just... taken that up. <laughs> Even if it's just you, it worked. <laughs> no one else following through, but I am. I'm influenced. I feel like I've always been influenced by you, so Oh, me too. It. I've been influenced by you. Well, what have you been doing this week? Um, I've been going to bed really early, like <laughs> scarily early. I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to go to bed right now, and it's like 8.30, 9 o'clock. <laughs> Um, but it's been just, I've been reading so much. I had a bit of a break from reading before all this happened. I hadn't really read anything in a month or so. And yeah. I've just suddenly got, gotten really back into it. I think it was being out of the city. I was just, which is so different <laughs> from being anywhere else right now. <laughs> well, I think Such it's a... also because there's more room at my parents' place to like stretch out. <laughs> like there's a really comfy Key. couch. Yeah. Oh. There's a really comfy couch. There's like really soft grass outside. Um, we don't have a garden in Sydney. And so I've just been like putting a picnic blanket out and reading in the, in the sun on the weekend. Um, so my tips for reading more, find some soft grass. That's really conducive to to burning through the books. All right, so other than going to bed early and reading in the sun, what have you been eating this week? Okay, so the onslaught of serious comfort food continues. I feel like my vegetable intake has seriously decreased and my, like, white bread and dairy (laughs) intake has rapidly increased, which I think is, like, a common theme through this pandemic. But something that we did while we are at mum and dad's, it's a bit cooler down there, so this felt, like, on the money, was Mm -hmm. baking a whole wheel of clarine cheese in the oven <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. so it's it's just like a brie it's like a triple cream really <sighs> delicious okay. full fat like french cow's mm-hmm. milk cheese yeah. and it comes in a wooden like a little natural wooden box so yeah. because when you 
get it up to room temp, it's like absolutely liquid. My yeah. mum used to serve it at parties with just like a bowl of grassini on the side and you kind of dip the grassini into the cheese. <laughs> it's so delicious. It's not super fancy. Like it's pretty easy to find in most cheese shops. Yeah. Um, anyway, this cheese is the perfect one for baking because it gets so molten. And yeah. what we did, there's a recipe which I'll link to in the newsletter on Friday, but you basically make these slits in the cheese. You shove in like little slices of garlic, top it um, with a bit of fresh thyme and like a ripped up bay leaf and some pepper. And then you douse the whole thing in white wine <laughs> and put it into an oven. Very, very moderate and sensible. <laughs> yeah. You put it into an oven of like 180 for like 20 minutes or so. And you take mm-hmm. it out. And if you're healthy, you can do some vegetables. If you're like me, you'll just rip up some bread <laughs> and um, you dip it into this cheese and it is liquid gold oh my god it's so delicious it's the most indulgent aperitivo snack (laughs) in a long time but whatever we're just leaning into this right now we're doing whatever the hell feels good and i'll tell you what molten liquid full fat triple cream cheese feels pretty fucking delicious i had a cheese plate for dinner on saturday night so you know what yeah let's do this this is a snack before your actual meal a whole wheel of baked cheese that sounds good so, so good. It also is kind of retro, which I love. Like, I mean, it's classic, but it is exactly the kind of thing my mom would have served at like a very fancy party. It's like, so retro. Yeah, it's like a fondue. It's literally like yeah. a fondue. Like you just dip whatever you want in it. You could even get some little nubbles of sausage and dip the oh, sausage sure. in. Or like yeah, why not? potato wrapped in prosciutto oh. or like any of those things that come with fondue or raclette. I feel like dipping... Potato wrapped in prosciutto into a baked brie is potentially gilding the lily somewhat. <laughs> lean in, lean in. I applaud your attitude. I applaud it. Oh, just going to come out of this just really large, but that's okay. Just a baked brie. Yeah. It will be a baked brie. So I guess what I'm about to talk about is the opposite of Oh, good. A baked balance, brie. please. Balance me. We're all about balance. So. Is it just me or is cabbage having a moment? Ah, the humble cabbage. The humble cabbage. My sisters and I were talking about this like hilarious tweet because the memes have been great during the pandemic about the weirdest thing people have gone and bought in like when they panic bought and someone's like, I forgot I had a fridge cabbage. So now I have two fridge cabbages. (laughs) And I was like, I have two fridge cabbages. So I feel like I'm seeing lots of people doing kimchi. If they're not making bread, they're like fermenting things. So like kimchi, um, Helen Rosner from the New Yorker didn't have potatoes. So she roasted a chicken on wedges of cabbage instead. So it was like caramelized Mm. and delicious and all schmaltzy. And then there's this recipe in Bon Appetit I've been eyeing off where you have like whole wedges of cabbage, like roasted in the oven with all these other delicious flavors and like serve that as a main I just feel like it's popping up everywhere and I think it's because it's cheap lasts in the fridge for ages and is the kind of food that you think that's what I need in a global pandemic something hearty and good for me and then you have no idea what to do with it but specifically what I've been doing with my cabbage is normally normally I'm a red cabbage girl buy that use it in like slaws tacos that kind of thing but I actually bought like a Savoy cabbage or a white cabbage. I can't remember which one, but it was one of the white ones. And my current fave way to eat it is to actually try to replicate the Regazzi cabbage salad, which I dream of frequently. Oh yeah, that's great. So 
full credit to your husband Scott for this one and I've literally texted you being like what was in that delicious dressing and also this is my interpretation of it it is definitely not the official uh, way to make it but it is so like zesty and fresh and you can kind of riff on it however you want um, and it goes so well I like roasted a chicken the other day and had this on the side and it just like cuts through the kind of fattiness but it's so easy I basically like slice it kind of like shave it with a really sharp knife if you're brave use a mandolin I am not brave I don't want to chop my finger off. So I use a knife. I have a mandolin and I just look at it and I'm like, not today, not today. So just like kind of shave as much as you can and kind of long strokes. You can chop it up fine at like after you've tried to slice it if you need to, but you just try and get it as fine as possible. I know that Scott includes mint in there, which is great, which I've done a couple of times when I've had it. But if you don't have it, you can kind of go without it or put other um herbs in there I've done parsley before I also like to slice up some green onions just because I'm growing them on my <laughs> windowsill oh yeah I'm still still good still doing that <laughs> they are thriving it's mean I'm gonna keep doing this even though I could just be buying more it's really fun anyway so I put up a, I slice up a couple of green onions kind of toss the cabbage and the herbs and the green onions together and then you make the easiest vinaigrette it's just this is again this is what I got from Scott so it's 50 50 lemon juice and like the fanciest white sort of wine vinegar or sherry vinegar or champagne vinegar you can find. So whatever, if you've got like almost everyone I think has a bottle in their like pantry that they got given by like their mom or a friend or like an aunt or something at Christmas. Just whatever the fanciest one you have, use that. And like I said, I, I actually used the Benito vinegar the other day just to try it out and it was amazing in it. The acid is 50-50 lemon juice in the vinegar and then olive oil, salt. I just have a bunch of leftover jars, so I just use that to shake them up and then just toss it in the dressing, toss the cabbage in the dressing so until it's all mixed through and then shower it in like microplaned parmesan or pecorino. Yeah. It is. God, it's good. It's so good. I haven't had pecorino lately. I've only been doing it with parmesan, which is quite nice because it's not quite as salty. But if you've got a bit of pecorino, that salty punch is so delicious. Yeah, it and really brings that like rich, slight richness, richness to it as well with that real yeah, that bite of, of the vinegar. Funky. Mm. Yeah, I will say that the Benito vinegar has a kind of umaminess to it as well as the sort of sort of snap of vinegar. So it's quite nice if you don't have pecorino. Um, but God... Honestly, I make an enormous amount of this. And because the vinegar in the um, vinaigrette kind of like softens it, it looks a lot less, but I eat so much of it when I make it. But it's just cabbage. Yeah. No, I agree. I made an okonomiyaki, like a Japanese cabbage pancake the other day, uh, which was really good and so cheap to make. It was insane. It's so cheap. Yeah. And they last for so long. Yeah. Crisper. Like they just like, true. I've literally had the ends kind of go a little bit brown. You just like slice it off and you're like, it's still good to go. All right. So we know you've been reading, but what else have you been read, watching or listening to well, during this last week? I've been renting a lot of stuff on YouTube, um, which is a really good hack actually to rent movies that are quite new. It's also good for old stuff. So your reckon when you recommended it a couple of weeks ago, I ended up doing a deep dive on their like rentable movies and they've got like classics on there that yeah and stuff don't have as well so it's pretty good for both brand new stuff and older stuff and honestly i'm sick of scrolling through four different platforms to find the movie i want to watch i'm like fuck this i'm just typing into youtube and renting it three dollars like i just i can't be bothered <laughs> it's so much quicker so much quicker and easier um but i watched on youtube portrait of a lady on fire <gasps> 
Yes. Which is an amazing, so incredible, just smouldering French film, which I think was out in cinemas at the end of last year. Beautiful. I missed it at the cinema, but it had been on my radar for ages and I, I think it just has been released now on YouTube. So the storyline is basically that a painter, a female painter, is commissioned to travel to... It's quite large house on the beach in France to paint a portrait of this very beautiful young woman who is just returned from a nunnery. <laughs> like she um, didn't choose that life. Tell. Yes. And the portrait is so it can be sent to like a suitor in Milan and help facilitate this essentially blind marriage, um, which this woman isn't very excited about. The painter and the subject become entwined in this incredibly taught like the whole thing is so tense <laughs> it's like oh walking God. this tightrope the whole time it's kind of like this erotic dance it's not even a particularly erotic movie it's just like this these looks between these women are so emotionally charged that you just are on the edge of your seat the whole time I mean um, it gets pretty erotic let's not discount the <laughs> the sex scenes I mean yeah crazy like I was watching it with mum and dad I was like oh god is this gonna blow up into be like extreme sex no it's <laughs> not blue is the warmest color it's no it's very not. like artful and like much more hinted at than shown but yeah I'd say it's just straight out erotic <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe my radar for erotic is quite um high now um <laughs> there's this amazing kind of pagan witchy scene with this amazing singing and oh, lots that, of yeah moody walking on cold like windy beaches lots of strutting like you were doing a few months ago I was just gonna say uh, yeah. a movie for my life except for the eroticism and there's this constant like push pull between this subject and this artist it just really plays with power there's amazing subplot with the maid in this beautiful house that they're all living in together for this period while she's painting this portrait and it's just brilliant and captivating and yeah mesmerizing like I absolutely couldn't tear my eyes away from it the final scene is actually incredible I'm finding this is a bit of a trend in in film in the last couple of years where the final closing scene is just a long, long, long held shot on someone's face as they move through certain emotions while they're watching something mm. or they're thinking about something. Like the final scene from Call Me By Your Name with um, yes. as Timothy looks into the fire and just tears stream down his face. This final scene is really similar to that and it's just so highly charged and the acting to be able to do that, I think, is so hard. Like, you're not saying anything, you're not doing anything, you're holding your face in this one position and you just have to let the emotion, like, wash over your face as an actor, which I think would be so difficult. Um, so, yeah, so, this this really nails it. And the score is incredible too, this classic, classical score, which is on Spotify, we'll link to it. I've been listening to it while I work from home. It's quite dramatic at points, so if you need some some motivation to get something done, it's kind of good to have going in the background. But All of your emails become very intense yeah. and erotically charged. Lots of dot, dot, dots. So that is Portrait of a Lady on Fire, and you can rent it on YouTube. Amazing. What about you? What have you been read, watch, or listening to? 
Well, I literally last night finished The Glass Hotel by Emily St. John Mandel, our queen of pandemic fiction. Oh, God. So, I was obsessed with Station Eleven after you recommended it. I know. It. it is. So she wrote, she's the author of Station Eleven, which, as we've said before, is brilliant and wonderful and either completely inappropriate to read during an actual pandemic or it's perfect for it. You know, you choose. It's your life. I actually think it would be quite good to read right now. Oh, yeah. I'm like this is essential textbook reading for this time (laughs) i recommended it to everyone (laughs) so if you haven't read station 11 go and read station 11 but this is her latest book it came out this month and i ordered it from glee books order books from your local bookshops guys they deliver it's good to support them if you want them to exist after this is all over so this is it's quite interesting so this is set mostly in 2008 it kind of goes back and forth maybe about 30 years either side but it mostly is set in 2008 and it follows a group of characters that are kind of loosely linked as she often does with those kind of parallel stories or intertwined stories Um, but they're linked around this shady financial character who's based on Bernie Madoff who had that huge Ponzi scheme that collapsed in the financial crisis and took out like so many people's entire life savings. Oh, yeah. Um, which, I'm going to be honest, I read the premise of this and was like, that sounds dry. <laughs> it does not sound that compelling. But somehow this book is sadder than her book about the pandemic. Oh, really? Where the world literally ends. Yeah, it's kind of about what happens when it feels like the world is ending, but then the world doesn't end. And it just keeps going in this new and different and often worse way. Oh, God. (laughs) But it hasn't ended. So it's like what happens, it's kind of like how the world actually is. You know, like someone says, it's actually always a dystopia for someone in the world. You know, we talk about dystopia like it's all or nothing, but there are places in the world that are living through dystopia. I mean, right now we're all kind of living through dystopia, so that doesn't really stand. But, you know, before this happened, essentially my life was close to a utopia in terms of food and all of these things, but other people live in this kind of shadow world where horrible things happen. Anyway, it's really moving it's kind of off kilter and sad. By the end, it kind of feels like you're reading a ghost story. And then there's this amazing quote kind of midway through. One of the characters is talking it's just after the, the 2008 financial crisis has happened. And she says, there's something almost tedious about disaster, Miranda said. Don't you find? I mean, at first it's all dramatic. Oh, my God, the economy is collapsing. There was a run on my bank, so my bank ceased to exist over the weekend. But then that keeps happening. It just keeps collapsing week after week. And at a certain point, and I just read that and was like, oh, that's now, that's yeah. where we're at. And obviously we're very, very privileged in Australia at the moment, touch wood, it, it looks like we might have managed to avoid the worst of the pandemic as it's happening in you know New York and, and Europe and, and other parts of the world. But it's this sense of like, it just keeps collapsing. Like it just keeps happening. It's not just a clean break. We've all been told like the end of the world would happen and it would be like something dramatic and there'd be a before and an after and it would be clean. But actually it's not how anything ends or changes. So I don't know. It's it's kind of off kilter. It's really moving. It's very different in some ways to Station Eleven. But I think it's a very appropriate book for right now and I read it pretty quickly it took a little little bit longer to get into it than Station Eleven did but yeah so that's The Glass Hotel by Emily St. John Mandel it's out now 
It's wonderful. Read it. If you haven't read Station Eleven, read that too. Just lean in. I really recommend it. Oh, that's going to be my next book for sure. I'll send it to you. Post it. Oh, I thanks. Sounds good. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. Have you bought anything this week? Well, I was really racking my brains on this one because I haven't, I just haven't been buying anything. Like I've been obviously buying groceries <laughs> and cheese, which is cool. Okay. But I, I, even when I go to look online at clothes or whatever, I'm like, I don't need this. Like, why would I buy, why would I buy this dress? Like I've been living in the same pair of pants and jumpers and like t-shirts for just forever. And I'm not, I, it just feels so weird to buy stuff. I'm like, I, I definitely like look at my shoes lined up at the door and I'm like, what are you for? Who, who, wh- wh- why do I have you? Yeah, like, <laughs> Birkenstocks and Ugg boots and sneakers. Pretty much, and that's it. Yeah, which is a, st- a sad state of affairs. But yeah, I've just really lost that that interest and drive in I don't know clothes. But that's okay because I've bought hand sanitizer. <laughs> Great. Yay. This actually is a kind of a cool and interesting hand sanitizer. You live in interesting times. It's not a word I really thought I would ever say. But Archie Rose, which is a really amazing distillery right in urban Sydney in Rosebury, which is a client and good friend of of ours at Buffet. But amazingly, they can still produce gin and whiskey and booze and things like that. But they had to shut their incredible cocktail bar, which is in the distillery itself in Rosebury once these restrictions came into place, of which lots of people were were employed at, obviously. Um, They had a massive bar and events team. But they've managed to pivot their their production line and repurpose a portion of its bar team to produce hand sanitizer, which a lot of distilleries are doing because hand sanitizer is alcohol based and so it's quite easy to to retool what they were doing before to produce this and because there was such a shortage and I've seen it kind of around the shops these days I think that massive gap has started to close Yeah. yeah there's still a huge huge shortage especially in schools and aged care and things like that where the the rate of use is just so high So they've produced a range, which is awesome. And it's not medical grade. And there's like this funny thing where medical grade hand sanitizer is 70% alcohol. But once you get to 70% alcohol, you can't ship something like without all these restrictions. Like it's it's really weird. I think because it's like really flammable or something. So Archie Rose is 65%, which is still fine and consumer grade and like very great. It's just not that complete hospital grade hand sanitizer but which most of us don't need no exactly yeah for everyday use we're not performing surgery on people but it's cool because obviously Archie Rose makes amazing spirits with such beautiful Australian botanicals and they're repurposing a bunch of those botanicals into this hand sanitizer so it doesn't have that I mean it still has that you know medicinal alcoholic smell because it is 65% booze but it's got all these gorgeous flavors in it like each batch has got grapefruit and cassia bark cardamom thyme local honey which they they source in rosebury finger lime and raspberry so it's kind of like gin for your hands um (laughs) Which is a good a good change to that disgusting smelling stuff. They've been selling out really fast, so you have to get on their waiting list. But once you've got it, it'll be absolutely worth it. 
and it's a great way to keep them keep their team in business and working I think it's been great that they've been able to switch their business to yeah keep their team busy and operating so you can get on their website it's just archierose.com.au yeah keep those hands clean amazing I need hand sanitizer I've got like I found like two little travel size ones of like a palm olive and they smell sorry palm olive but they smell terrible like they smell horrible they're like that cheap body wash kind of smell yeah so maybe I'll treat myself to some hand sanitizer Jesus yay (laughs) exciting times Uh, what about you what have you been buying well lol you're like oh can't even imagine why anyone would want to buy clothes I bought some clothes this week (laughs) excellent I can live through you well it's because my house is really cold and I've been mostly like for the last few weeks been living in t-shirts and then the temperatures dropped a little bit and I'm you know a little bit just need some cozier items and also this is something I've been wanting to buy for ages I just got a really beautiful merino funnel neck skivvy from this company called Arnsdorf Mm, beautiful Um, company yeah, so I've eyed off like some of the cheaper ones like Uniqlo or H&M or anything, but I'm really trying to do my shopping at the moment with Australia-based brands, small businesses. I consider myself a patron of the local economy rather than a consumer, <laughs> propping up the economy one purchase at a time. But this company is like my other fave Australian brand, Permanent Vacation. This one is based in Melbourne. And they do trans-seasonal collections rather than like a spring launch or summer launch. They just do small collections that they kind of produce in really small runs so that they don't overproduce. Um, So they don't hold very much inventory. They make everything in Melbourne, Collingwood specifically. And I don't know if their stores are open at the moment, but if you're based in Melbourne, you can actually go in and they have tailors who will tailor all the pieces to your body. Oh, nice. Which is amazing. When we can uh, travel down to Melbourne, which I think we technically can, but honestly sounds so exotic and exciting to me right now. I'm like, ooh, Adelaide, Melbourne. (laughs) Um, I'm definitely considering buying some of their denim. They have some amazing, like really dark high-waisted jeans that I want but um this one is just really simple I wanted something that was really slim fitting and not bulky and this one is absolutely perfect it comes in a really lovely chalk white color as well but I stuck with black so I can uh, channel Steve Jobs at my desk lol (laughs) um I work in tech guys I don't know if you know that and it's 100% merino so it's this really lovely fine gauge wool really soft really cozy um, so I feel like it's an acceptable clothes purchase because it's just increasing my comfort levels at a stressful time and I'm supporting the local economy. It's my first turtleneck. I think I'm Your I'm first turtleneck? I bought, I realize as I said that, that's wrong. I'm lying to you. I bought one <laughs> in New York. <laughs> I, I was like, how year. have you done that? But I only bought one in November. I haven't really worn skivvies since I was a kid. Oh, they're so warm. They keep I know you're the queen warm. of a skivvy. You're Love the queen it. of a turtleneck. Love it. Well, right. wait, yours so isn't actually a turtleneck. What do they call it? Funnel neck. Funnel neck. Interesting. It's a turtleneck. It's just a fancy word. <laughs> Funnel sounds <laughs> sounds cool. It kind of sounds a bit spidery, but yeah. <laughs> well, you know. What is the time for now? Fast five in time. Fast five. 
can't oh, wait. Singing really loudly. Okay, you hard. go. Okay, so Fast Five this week. My first one is a really cool website which has been created by Beth Ellen Wilkinson. Yeah. She founded the really cool indie mag Lindsay, which is out of Melbourne. But it's essentially a catalogue of films. It's called verygoodfilms.co. And yeah. it's just a really minimal, easy to navigate website, which is like a catalogue of her and her friends' favourite films. The best thing about it is it shows you where you can watch them. So it's got oh, so good. It's got the trailer, it's got a description, like a little review of it. It's got the year, the director, the country, and the genre. And then it's got it like watch it if you like this. And then it tells you where to see it. So like Netflix, Amazon Prime. Apple, it's just like so easy and they've only got a really small collection at the moment. There's 40 films on there, so it's really highly curated, but really great if you need inspiration. Yeah, really cool art house, just high quality cinema if you're ever in need of things to watch, which is always. (laughs) Yeah. All the time. You can actually recommend films to them, which is quite cool if they feel like it'll fit in with their vibe they'll add it but yeah definitely go explore that verygoodfilms.co and speaking of films I watched a really good one on the weekend The Big Sick on Stan have you seen this? Um, I haven't, but that's because I have particular triggers around unexpected illnesses of oh, yeah. partners. Oh, that's true. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I've meant to watch it and I've watched the trailer a few times and almost done it. And then I'm like, nah, <laughs> but I've heard it's really good. Yeah. It's, it's funny. It's, it's an interesting premise. It's a real life story actually. So this actually happened, but this Pakistani born comedian Kumal and this grad student, Emily, fall in love and have a really short courtship. They break up and then she contracts this weird virus and gets <laughs> weird for now and gets put into an induced coma and they just can't figure out what happens to her. He decides to stick with her and visit the hospital every day and like really be there through the sickness. She's in a coma the whole time. Her parents yeah. are there. So he's like hanging out with her parents after they've broken up. They form this like amazing bond over the sick bed of Emily <laughs> without her being aware of anything that's happened and it's absolutely hilarious like in a dark black comedy kind of way it's just a really heartwarming film that I think is a premise that's quite unusual (laughs) and it's really cool at the end because it's a true story and so they show all these photos of the real the real couple oh nice yeah so yeah it's a good it's a good one for easy watching that's the big sick you can catch it on Stan number three is chocolate cake which I think is another thing I'm eating too much of at the moment. Um, <laughs> so we had a bunch of beetroots. We were down at my parents' place. There's a beautiful grower down there called Moon Acres, which is a, mm, a, a really great organic farm. Yeah, I know you are a fan of their pastries pastries and corn relish. Dreaming of it right now, gazing off into the distance. <laughs> so good. So they've been doing these produce boxes and they have a really small stall at the Mossvale Market, but they are doing delicious to Sydney. We'll put a link in our newsletter. But we got some really gorgeous beetroots from them and we had a whole bunch of them. We had no idea how to use all of them. Like we roasted them, made all these things and we still had a lot left. So I looked online for a cake which had beetroot and dark chocolate and found this one that was like a beetroot chocolate ganache cake. And it was really good. It's really dense. It's kind of like that carrot cake vibe, 
I guess, because you have all that grated beetroot in it, heaps of cocoa, and then you just pour this like glossy stream of ganache over the top, which slowly oh drips god. down the sides. And oh my god, it was really yum. The beetroot brings like oh, a yeah. really nice sweetness to it, actually, which was unexpected. Yeah, I've seen recipes with beetroot in it before, and I've never baked with it. But then I'm always just intimidated by beetroots just because of the like staining factor. So even though I love it, I don't really cook with it very much. The color of the batter was so pretty. It was like this jewel-colored, beetrooty, chocolatey. Oh, it was really cool. We'll link to it in our newsletter. Um, what's next? Number four. Oh yeah, this is a really random tip, but I just feel that I need to do a public service and let everyone know that you need to put salt in it. I didn't do this for years until really recently. I think it was probably Scott, the salt king, who told me that I should be doing it. But it makes porridge so much better. And it makes a lot of sense. I guess like oats are pretty bland, especially if you're making it with like half water, half milk, which is what I've also started doing, which makes it a lot less overwhelming. But yeah, it just really brightens everything and gives it a lot more depth and makes it just you just want to keep eating it more and more it's really good you just need a pinch like you don't need to go crazy i hate porridge oh so, so many much. people hate porridge my one of my old housemates couldn't look at the porridge pot because she would nearly spew <laughs> and my dad made used to make it for my sisters like every morning and they love it and for whatever reason i think it was the texture i was just like get that away from me <laughs> oh but like all this me. melted brown sugar on top oh my god it's so good <laughs> So put salt in your porridge, people. Public service announcement. And my last one for the Fast Five is, I don't know if this is happening to you, but I've been having pretty crazy vivid dreams during the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have have pretty vivid crazy dreams usually. (laughs) Um, Like I always have weird dreams, but lately it's just been really intense. And National Geographic, which actually has an amazing website that I really have not explored deeply enough, has an article on why the pandemic is giving people these vivid, unusual dreams. And it's essentially, we'll link to it, but because our interaction with everything is so diminished because we're stuck inside, all our like emotional response to things like trauma from the news or like anxiety from what's going on or anything just gets funneled into our sleep time. Brain's just bored. Our brain's like, Jesus, this again? Okay, let's do something fun tonight. (laughs) One of the most interesting things in this article, it says, because the virus is invisible, that's making it transform into so many varied different things in your dreams. Like your your brain interprets this invisible virus into being all these things like shadowy figures and like big bugs and natural disasters and like monsters and all these crazy things. So if that's happening to you, Read this article, it'll uh, might clear things up. What about your fast five? What you got? Okay, so my first one, also pandemic related, I have been making essentially like a chore slash life chart to tick off or give me rather give myself a sense of progress and structure. In my life <laughs> What's every on the way? Well, so the way I've done it is I had like a list where I was tallying things, but now I've gone real formal. So I've got graph paper. And I have a list down the side of sort of actions that I need to take. And then every vertical column is a day of the week. And so I color in the squares as I complete them. So I have a few things that are weekly items that I need to do a couple of times a week. um, And then a few things that are daily. So my weekly items include things like Pilates and yoga, um, a minimum of three booze-free days, uh, and treating someone else. So I'm trying to like 
pick a person and send them a treat. Oh, that's cute. It's been really fun. And then daily things like coffee, drinking water, stretching, going for a walk, making a phone call, reading, all of that stuff. It's literally like a grown-up version of a star chart when you're a kid. (laughs) (laughs) And I actually kind of, depending on how long it lasts, I want to keep them all because I think it's kind of cool. It's like a pattern, literally a pattern of what my days look like. I'm better at some than others. So I've ticked off coffee religiously every single day. Nice. Water most days except one. And then there's like a few where like booze free. I've I've maintained a minimum of three booze free days a week, but um I need to be better about that one because I'm like, great, I've done three. Now I can drink, which is not the best attitude. Whatever. Um, I feel like who gives a shit about that stuff now? <laughs> eat cheese, drink wine, who cares? Yeah. So just trying to keep some structure and it also is really good if I'm feeling really gross one day, I can be like, well, have you stretched or had some water or gone for a walk? Try those things and then see how you feel. Uh, it's just like a reminder, which apparently I need in order to be a functional human. <laughs> well done, me. Um, so my second one is these really delicious salted white grapefruit sodas that mm. I have been drinking. They are by this company called Strange Love, all one word, and I originally bought them from two providors, uh, but they also, I found them at my local fancy grocery store, Maloney's. Oh, I love Maloney's. Um, so this one in particular is designed as a fancy mixer, and I have done that with gin and a slice of lemon, and they recommend it using it with tequila in a Paloma. Um, but honestly, they're really nice just by themselves over ice. So you've got a little salty, you've got the white grapefruit, sweet obviously, but they're really yummy and zesty and fresh and just a nice alternative to booze if you're trying to have three or more booze-free nights, but you still want to just drink water. And they have a whole bunch of other ones on their website. Like I really want to try their yuzu soda. So that's Strange Love Salted White Grapefruit Soda. Number three for me is Block 11 Organics. So heaps of really amazing small providers and farms and people who are, you know usually sell through markets or direct to restaurants are doing these amazing like fresh veggie boxes. But when you're just one person, those boxes and bags, they're usually like 40 bucks, unless they have a specific single person one, they're just too big. Like I would not have space in my tiny fridge. I would not get through it. It would just be wasteful. But Block 11 used to sell at Carriage Works farmer's markets. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can buy boxes off them or you can just shop for items individually. So I've done a few orders of like just standard things, potatoes, scallions, pumpkins, garlic, spinach, that kind of thing. But then last week they had foraged saffron milk caps, also known as pine mushrooms, for sale for six bucks per 500 grams. Oh my God, such a treat. So unexpected. They don't have them every week, obviously. They just happen to have it that week. I have only eaten pine mushrooms once before. Normally you have to go and forage for them yourself in the forest, but they were so delicious. And the quality of the Block 11 organic stuff normally is really exceptional. Like I've literally had a thing of green onions in there that has been going for like two weeks now and they're still fresh and perfect and they deliver right to your door the delivery is like 10 bucks but you know what I'm just like as I said throwing money at small businesses to keep them afloat is my now true joy and if you keep your eyes peeled every now and then they've got things like saffron milk caps which are amazing and I roasted them in butter with sage and salt and pepper yum incredible okay very cool number four the bon appetit series making perfect Mm. so 
everyone is a fan, as they should be, of Claire Safford's Gourmet Make series where she tries to replicate junk food. I've talked about it, I think, in, like, season one, and they're brilliant. But the Making Perfect series is where the entire kind of test kitchen team bands together to create the perfect something. So they've done two. One is like Thanksgiving, the perfect Thanksgiving menu, which you know what, in Australia, less relevant, but still fun, worth a worth a watch. We have nothing but time. But the one that's really good is the pizza one. They have a first episode where they just literally are all very charming and funny and charismatic and they debate the merits of what the perfect pizza is and like come up with this plan and then they split off into mini teams and each team has to handle a specific component so a true highlight is molly and carla going to italy to learn how to make mozzarella which is just so extravagant and unnecessary and i think you watch them like get drunk on cheese essentially they're just like so loopy and ridiculous and it is joyful and it makes me wish i still got to see my colleagues every day and plan trips to italy but it's just wonderful and i highly recommend it's like a lot of youtube to get through but it's great if you're a bit hungover in bed one day watch the making perfect series oh i need to watch this this sounds good oh yeah it's so good it's so good and then my final one is just a little thing that has been giving me joy on instagram i started following ruby tando t-a-n-d-o-h she was a contestant on the british bake-off and she's really charming and funny and rye in that very British way but um she did this series I think she wrote them on Twitter a couple of years ago of like good food things that are like these little themed lists of things that are good about food because she wrote a book about um food and eating that came out in 2018 called Eat Up um which is all around appetite and her relationship to food it's like a series of essays so I think this was written these Twitter lists were written then originally, but she's been reposting them on Instagram, like as a slideshow. Oh, I love so it. One ex- yeah, and they're so evocative and really soothing. So like one list as an example is good food things, ASMR edition, pillowy cake batter landing in the tin, that first throaty glug when you pour a bottle of wine, the gravelly crunch of chocolate under a sharp knife, singing, sizzling pasta bake, the soft rasp of spoon on avocado skin. Like it's so instantly you can like hear every single one of those things and smell it and taste it. And they're just so soothing. Oh my God. Peeling wax off a baby bell. That is such a pleasure. Right. (laughs) I love baby bell. I know. And it's like, you instantly can like imagine it and feel it and kind of taste it. And it takes you sort of transports you in this like very small and lovely way and takes you out of it. And I think it captures a lot of like what we've all been kind of doing in the kitchen over the last few weeks, or at least I know a lot of people based on my social media are doing that of trying to kind of claim a space where there's some calm and there's something you're making something and it's constructive. So I think it kind of really taps into that moment in that way. Soothing and wonderful. Yeah. I thought you would like these. They're like delights. Yes, exactly. And all food. And she themes them. So it's really funny. She did like an Easter one and she's done like, you know, um, hot food, cold food, like just random little themes. And there's something, she just picks them so well. Oh, that's great. Um, What a good find. 
So that is Ruby Tando on Instagram, a good follow anyway, but her food memories sort of series that she's reposting in particular is great. If you have some of your own good food things that you want to share with us, hit us up on Instagram at highly enthused or sign up for our newsletter, highlyenthused.substack.com for all of the things in our list. Uh, you can also email us highlyenthused at gmail.com. And I guess we'll see you all next week. Have a good week in ISO. We'll miss you. We'll miss you. Bye. See ya.